bonus stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw special edition. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And I was lucky by God's dear grace to be born in Texas. And I've got a fellow Texan and a Texas legend with me. And they don't get more legendary than this. He played with Willie since 1973. He's played with Johnny Cash. You want to get a follow the killer? You better get a pine box. He played with Jerry Lee Lewis. Play with Merle Haggard. You name it, he's played with him. He's best harmonica player walking on God's green earth. He is Mr. Mickey Raphael. Mickey, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Hey, hey I've been excited to have you on for since Jerry told me that you're coming on. It's just, it's amazing. You know, our, our old stories in wrestling, you know, with Piper and Harley Race and the crazy guys. You got Johnny Cash, <laughs> Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson. I think you won. I, I think that's awesome. <laughs> Well, it's not it's not easy to wrestle Johnny Cash. That's all I can say. You know, yeah, big, big man in black, man. They're those guys in black, like the Undertaker, man. They're always hard to get hold. Uh, but you know what? I went to a you know to a um, a, a wrestling match one time, and it was it was bigger than than uh, than than a Kiss concert. Wow. The fans are loyal, um, and it was amazing. I had never seen a bigger production and more excitement. Uh, ever you know well, on a uh, I, I haven't been to a taylor swift concert in a while but wow. it was it was up it was up there what do you mean in a while what do you mean in a while i i i i i went when uh she was at uh at uh giant stadium oh wow and it was yeah. it's it, it you know it's it, it's pretty amazing but wrestling fans you know are the best i mean they're loyal and they're it, it, there was a lot of excitement you know, we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling and a little bit, a couple of guys you'd be friendly there. But before we do, you know, uh, I and John left out all those great people that you played with. I also saw where you were smoking in the boys' room with Motley Cruz. I didn't realize that until I read that on your bio. Is that true? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in L.A. and they had asked, I, I think uh, Vince Neal, who was the lead singer, was trying to get the solo. And the band really wasn't happy with his performance. I mean, he could play a little bit. Um, so the producer called me up to come down and play that solo. Wow. Awesome. So that was, that was a real treat, you know, and, uh, so you're I mean, a true, like you're a true Renaissance man. Now, well, tell us a little bit about that harmonica plan. And I'm going to brag a little bit. You and I have something in common with the harmonica. We both learned the same song at the first time. Uh, uh, Oh, Susanna. That was the only song I ever learned. And I kind of learned, <laughs> I had an uncle that was a rodeo star. He rode with Jim shoulders and, and, uh, and what the guy makes the boots, uh, Tony, uh, help me out there. What's that guy? Oh, uh, Lusky oh. or sorry, where in Fort yeah. Worth? Or, or no, down in San, San Antonio. Down in San Antonio. Ah. Oh, Tony, Tony Lama? Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony Lama. Tommy, Tommy yeah. Lama, Lama, whatever the hell. <laughs> Lama, Tony. But anyway, my Uncle Homer, he was a Bronxback rider. And he, he, he used to play the you know, cowboy, you know, they play those, those harmonicas all the time. So I was kind of like, yeah, I wanted a harmonica. And he gave me one of them. And he said, you learn to play Oh Susanna, and then you can have that thing. I worked, and I after the only song I ever learned, and it was too damn hard to learn anything yeah. else. So I threw the thing in my bag, and it's probably still in my bag somewhere around here. So we got something uh, coming. But tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your your harmonica playing days, and, and what, what influenced you in harmonica. That's such a unique instrument. Yeah, well, I grew up in Dallas, and um, um, – you know, I wanted to be a musician. I loved music, but I was a terrible guitar player. I just put, didn't put the work into it. And uh, a friend of my dad's played 
he was an attorney, but he had a little band on the side where he played harmonica and washed tub bass. And I was, uh, you know, seven, eight years old. And I love that harmonica. And he said, well, I'll, I'll give you one if you uh, learn to play Oh Susanna. And I, I did. And he gave me the harmonica. And then I moved on to the Old Gray Mare. <laughs> which it's funny now when I meet a kid that wants to play and I give him a harmonica and I say, okay, lo- learn Oh Susanna. They go, what? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, and that was a song back, back in the 50s, man, for us, you know. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I just love the instrument. You can carry it with you all the time. Um, growing up in school in Dallas, I was not good in sports. So I would just kind of stay to myself and play the harmonica. And people, I don't remember this, but people said that during lunch break, I'd go out on the, you know, out on the track and just walk the track playing my harmonica. And that's the way you learn. It, it, I'm all self-taught. You know, so you just have to carry, and it's an instrument you can carry w- with you in your pocket, in your car. You know, play along with the radio. So that's how you learn. You just, it's, it, you just get one and you just start playing it. You can teach yourself. But you, you wasn't, you, you wasn't trying to impress those ladies, where you know, those Texas ladies. Huh? Well, that might, that may have came later. <laughs> I'm sure. And you, you weren't a country music fan, right? You were a blues blues uh, guy, right? Well, yeah, our folk, uh, folk and blues. You know, I, I yeah. love that the English bands, you know, the Stones and the Beatles and and then Dylan and Neil Young. But a friend of my dad's uh, lived in Denton, Texas. He was a veterinarian. And we went to visit them one day and he put on this record, Tex Ritter's Blood on the Saddle. Blood on the Saddle. About Blood a, all around. Yeah. <laughs> Blood all around. And about a cowboy that, you know, lay, lay in that puddle of blood. And that was the most obnoxious song I ever heard. And I'll never forget. So this is country music. And that, you know, during my formative years, that's all I remember about country music till I met <laughs> Willie. You know, and, and then the when story I met him. With Willie, the this, this is legendary to me. I was reading about this with Daryl Royal. who I'm, I grew up with Earl Campbell and Daryl Royal. That was my years, man. I <laughs> run Earl run. Yeah. Uh, well, Daryl Royal was the one that, how'd you end up be, being friends with Daryl Royal? Well, Daryl's a, a real patron of the arts and a big music fan and a real close friend of Willie's. So they were, I think Texas was playing Arkansas. It was Texas, Arkansas weekend. And um, I got a call from Coach Royal and said, hey, we're at, uh, you know, we're, we're in town for the game and we're going to have a little picking party in my hotel after the game. I want to meet you, come over, bring your harmonicas. And I did. And Willie was there and Charlie Pride and about 30 other people in the room, uh, Joe Jamail. Who was the you know the famous uh, attorney um, that was a friend of Willie's and and the coaches and they just passed the guitar around and sang songs and I had my harmonicas and I was trying to follow because I really didn't know these songs um, but they were you know they're basic country tunes and then when Willie started playing Nightlife and Crazy I recognized it's like oh is that who this guy is you know because I knew that, I mean those are such big classic hits I recognize those songs. And then Willie said, hey, if you ever hear we're playing anywhere, come sit in with us. And um, I saw a couple of weeks later, Willie and the band were playing um, a benefit at the Lancaster High School in the gymnasium, oh, wow. a benefit for volunteer fire department. So I drove down there and sat in with them. And I think we played Fraulein four times that night just so people could dance to it. And basically we're, you know, Willie was playing a dance, you know, a sock hop. And uh, so after the game, we went to a truck stop to have breakfast. It's probably one, two in the morning. And I was getting ready to leave. And I thought, well, I'm going to have one more cup of coffee. And in that last cup of coffee, Willie says, hey, 
we're going to play in New York in a couple of months. Why don't you go with us? And that's kind of how I, you know, got hired. I, I tell people I never officially got hired, but then I never was asked to leave either. So I, I was reading to follow up on that story when, when, uh, when, when, when it uh, paid paymaster come and somebody, somebody said, uh, Yes, Willie, what are we paying that guy? Well, I ain't paying him nothing. And then Willie said, uh, uh, well, double the money or something. How'd that sort of Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, so before the New York gig, there was about two months in between. And Willie was playing around Texas, and I would just show up and sit in with him to kind of learn the songs, learn what was going on. And I would made several weekends with him. And he asked Paul English, the drummer, who was also the right. band leader, he goes, what are we paying, Mickey? And Paul said, I'm not paying him anything. He's just showing up. And Willie says, well, double the salary. <laughs> Which remind me, I got to ask Willie to double my salary again. So. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the, well, but the, yeah, that's the, how that... Was the was the New York, was that like something on your bucket list or was that something that just came unexpectedly and you thought, hey, this is a good opportunity? Well, both. It was, uh, I, I'd been to New York once before and he was playing a club called Max's Kansas City that was kind of the home of uh, punk rock in New York. But they were starting to have a couple of country bands. I mean, I think uh, Waylon played there, and then Willie was going up there. So that was exciting for me to, uh, you know, go to New York. And I, re I remember we stayed at a hotel a couple blocks away, and Paul, I was carrying Willie's guitar, and Paul was carrying the amp uh, to the gig. And I asked Paul, I said, Paul, how old are you? And he goes, uh, son, he goes, I'm 40, and if you're lucky, you'll get there. <laughs> so I must have been uh yeah he's 40 I must have been 20 21 at the time yeah that's that, great one of the one of the best songs one of my favorite songs of course and we'll jump all over with what songs I'm sure but uh you know me and Paul you know that, yeah that song, I mean that you know been on the road and traveling a lot you know you run into some of those same situations you know and I'm sure John was in a situation. He don't know if he went on at all that night because there's a lot of whiskey being poured down. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. So, there's something about country music and, and beer. And, 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 you know, they always say you yeah. play a country song backwards. You know, you get your truck back, your wife back, your dog back. You know, it's just, yeah. That's okay. I don't care. I like country music. <laughs> yeah, right. What is it about Willie that, uh, I mean, here here is a, a pot-smoking uh, hippie that every conservative cowboy loves. I mean, liberals love him. Conservatives love him. He's a Texan. People just love the guy. What is it about Willie that, that people like so much? And why does he cross so many different demographics, political spheres, everything? Yeah, you know, I think the music is a conduit between all that because he's been he writes about what he's experienced and everybody has experienced heartbreak and loneliness that he's gone through. Um I mean, sometimes I'll just go through his catalog, listen to some of the, the the deep tracks, you know, from the 60s. And in three minutes, he's said everything that I could have gotten from a therapist, you know, in a couple of <laughs> hours. And uh, I, but he just really connects with his audience and he's very sincere about it. And, you, you know, we do draw a lot of uh, different uh, political persuasions. And I mean, he's not preaching either. You know, he kind of keeps his yeah. I mean, everybody knows his political views but he's not shoving it down anybody's throat. And, you know, he respects somebody else's views that might be different. And I think that works. I think that's the way you've got to, you know, you've got to handle it. Yeah. It's just but but he just, he's great about it. 
I don't know if it's longevity. I'm surely sure that's part of it, but he's as big a legend as there is in Texas. I mean, you got Nolan Ryan, Earl Campbell, Sam Houston, way back, you know, for forever mm-hmm. long ago, but, and Willie Nelson. I mean, it's just, he's a Mount Rushmore of Texas. You know, people just, that's our guy. You know, everybody, yeah. everybody loves Willie. It's got to be fun traveling. And he hadn't Willie. changed a bit. I mean, he's the same guy that, you know, when I met him when he was 39 years old, you know, he, 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 to me, you know, he's, it seems the same guy and he looks the same to me, you know, <laughs> that, that, I mean, he looked back then he may have looked 90, you know, so he doesn't look like he's aged to me at all. Well, yeah. Willie, I mean, it must've been a thrill. Willie, you've been on the road with what year did you go? It was 73 that you actually got on the road with Willie. And- yeah. So it'd have been 50 years this year. 50 years. Wow. wow. 50 years, wow. That's, that's amazing. You know, the, the band has gone through several morphoses, and unfortunately, because of death, you know, with Paul. Paul was Paul was one of the guys that, on your, along with Pootie, that I met that I, you know, kind of became friends with down the road, going down the road when I wanted to mm-hmm. see you guys. That He was the guy that me and Dusty and my brother Jack would always call, hey, can you hook us up in Lakeland or Tampa or West yeah. Palm or one of those towns like that, so. Yeah, I, I, Willie, Willie, Willie was always so grateful uh, to meet us. It's like he knew you. I mean, that, that, that's his personality backstage and everything. He he just a yeah. friendly guy, right? Yeah, and he makes eye contact with you, and he's actually talking to you. You know, so you know, and he does that when he performs a show. He's singing. You know, he'll pick somebody out in the audience, or he really connects with the audience. So, and and the people have told me that they. They feel that he's singing directly to them. So you know, when you when, when you when you when you started with Willie, of course he he was just making his, his breakthrough. But you know, I, I, you know, old timers like me, I'm 77. I've I, you know I knew Willie back when I first started enjoying country music. My my granddaddy took me to a to a Hank Williams Senior concert when I was like two years old, three years old, and I. I, you know, I, I don't remember it, of course, you know, verbatim, but I remember being there and I remember some of the, the melodies and everything. But, you know, that's when I first started being a country music fan. And then, you know, later on with George and Burrow and all those guys and Willie, all those guys in the, in the late 60s started really busting loose there. You know, when you hooked up with Willie, that had to be a thrill. You know, man, I'm going on the road with Willie Nelson. Was it like that to you? I mean, you're, wow, here I am with Willie Nelson or was it just another musician that you were backing up? Well, it was kind of, you know, I I, I loved him as, as a great songwriter, but he wasn't that popular when I went. You know, he wasn't, he was more known, popular as a songwriter. And we were still playing tiny little clubs, um, just starting to move from the from the country dance halls to the, to the rock clubs and to the, you know, to getting a younger crowd. So, but th- there were times where we wouldn't draw anybody you know mm-hmm. so he wasn't really very you know had the huge popularity but he had a loyal fan base and and maybe if it was 40 people that came that night they knew every song and they were going to be the the next time we played you know and little by little he would draw you know get to a bigger audience but he'd do the same thing it wasn't like he was changing with the times he just followed he did exactly what he wanted to do he was very he- sincere about it you you said something really really cool there. You know you were playing the little dance halls. You know a lot of people don't don't expect to remember those those days, but you know it was kind of kind of the same way in our business in professional wrestling. You know when I started, I was playing the little armories. I was playing the high schools. Any place that you could get a a, a eighteen foot ring and wear a book in it and performing, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden 
you start feeling that momentum going all of a sudden, man, you're in a bigger venue, then you're you're at, at an outdoor venue. That that step was Willie. You you were with him during those steps there. That had to be a uh, just a great feeling for you personally too. Yeah, but you got to give the same show for those thirty people than you do exactly. for the fifteen thousand. Exactly. You know, because yeah. the audience knows they knows when they know when you're faking it or phoning it in. Hey, yo, that that's I'm a, I think I, I think that, that's a lot about you know the same with the wrestling. You know, it, you, you you know one of our things. Hey, Kid, if there's ten people out in that audience, you give them the same match if there's ten thousand. Yeah, you 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 pick it up for those ten. Uh, so next time we come back, there'll be twenty people in the deal. So right. you guys, you guys have that same philosophy. Go out, no matter how many people are in that audience, you got to give them you got to give them money for it. Yeah, because actually Willie's he's doing it for the audience, but he's doing it for himself too. He loves to play and loves to 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 sing and perform. So if there was nobody out there, he'd still be picking, you know. And I, to this day, um, I mean, it was it was probably two days ago. I could find the text. He texted me at three three a.m. saying, "Let's pick," you know. He he's ready to go. I don't know if he was in Hawaii or where he was, you know. But uh, I was in, he was in a different time zone and just chomping at the bit to get out there and play. Well, that's at not awesome. at, at ninety years old, right? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You know, the, the the characters in that time, you know, people always talk about the great characters back then were better. They really were better. You know, what was it like being with Christopherson? You're with Dylan. You're with all that guys, the group out of Memphis, of Johnny Cash and, and Haggard. I mean, what was it like traveling with those guys? Did did you ever look at them? Because I got to travel, you know, like like Mr. Briscoe did with some great wrestling legends, you know, from, mm-hmm. from Piper to Hogan to Taker, you know, all these friends, you know, and you look back now and you go, that was really cool. And I'm not sure at the time I knew how cool it was. What were your thoughts then? And what are your thoughts now traveling with those guys? Yeah, I, I knew they were cool, but, and I was a little intimidated, especially by Johnny cash. I mean, I loved Waylon, um, Chris, um, I knew a little better, but then he, he was, you know, he was, he was my favorite songwriter, my favorite lyricist. So just being around all these guys, I don't want to say it was intimidating, but I really, you know, I knew who they were and I respected them. But Johnny Cash was bigger than life and and was very um, he went out of his way to make you feel comfortable when you were around him. So I was saying we were in Australia and Johnny said, uh, June would like to have you come over to the to the to, to the hotel for dinner after the show tomorrow. And I was so nervous you know, because <laughs> they would have dinner, sir, that they'd have a chef. And they cooked dinner after the show. And I went up to the hotel room and we just sat and talked. And he, you know, he's dropping his food in his lap like anybody else would. And it's just, he went out of his way to kind of disarm the Johnny Cash persona, you know, and just to let me see that he was just a normal guy. And he, they, they were both so sweet, you know. You, you've been on stage with them, you know, like I, you, you know, you mentioned the word intimidated. I, it was the same way probably with John and I know with me, you know, when I was breaking in, I got to be in the ring with the great Lou Thez, you know, with some of those guys there. And I'd just stand in the corner. Wow, how in the hell am I here? Why in the hell am I here? It is intimidating when you're, when you're especially when you're growing up, you know, Johnny Cash, I'm sure after you got in the, you knew who the hell Johnny Cash was and you knew his yeah. music, you knew the power of Johnny Cash. And being on that stage, are you standing behind those guys sometimes saying, wow, man, I'm standing here with Johnny freaking Cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, Yes, it was definitely like that, and I was—I uh, didn't take any of it for granted. 
you know when oh it was i'll tell you one time i was we were doing a gig and i was playing with uh, ringo star wow. you know who's the drum of the beatles and he had uh, we were there a couple of days early he was doing a farm aid and i was playing in his band and he wanted to go to the grocery store because he quit <laughs> doing drugs and drinking and he was juicing so we <laughs> went to uh I, we went to a grocery store that afternoon to get him some fresh vegetables so I'm pushing the cart and he's throwing the vegetables in the cart and we're in Indiana or somewhere, you know, some <laughs> little rural town. And there was a payphone on the wall and this before cell phones. So I went to the payphone and I called a buddy of mine and I whispered, I said, I'm in the Piggly Wiggly with a beetle. <laughs> and they go, what? I said, I'm in the Piggly Wiggly with a beetle. And they, I had, you know, no idea what the Piggly Wiggly was. Or, you know, what I was talking That's about. awesome. But I had to tell somebody, you couldn't yeah. take a picture. Yeah. You know, you know what's so about that just... is you know sometimes you sit around and somebody wants to hear an old story or something. You tell a story about some wrestling legend and you're dropping name like 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 Ringo Starr, maybe not as famous as Ringo Starr, not already anybody's famous as a Beatle, but you're telling a story and people are looking at you like that's unreal. That doesn't it doesn't yeah. happen to most people to drop a story and you go, oh, I was with Ringo Starr in the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, that's why I had to call and say that. You know, it's like, <laughs> who can I call? I gotta, you know, a, I I've done the same somebody. thing. Hey, yeah. you and I had something in common also. Uh, you uh, got to work in the worst building in the world, the old Sportatorium in South Dallas. On, was it it's 1100 Industrial? On the corner of Industrial Kennedy, Boulevard. Industrial. Yeah. I, remember that, but I don't remember that, but Katie's Kenny, in Industrial. It was right in the middle of the hood. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite place. That old 10 building, you know, oh, just it was awesome. of a building. Yeah. That was great. You know, we I, the last time we played, they sold so many tickets. The fire marshal basically shut it down. I mean, nobody could come in. And when we got there, it was it was a little late. Well, for some reason we showed up late, and the fire marshal he wouldn't let my girlfriend in. He, you know, only one band member, or, or you know, you've got to go right to the stage or right to the ring, really, because that that was the stage. That's where we played, right in the middle of the ring. But it was just you know, it was smoky and sweaty. And it was just out of a you know you know a, a movie from from the fifties. It was such a great uh, venue. That was always my favorite place. Yeah, I mean you'd get yeah. I mean it's just one of those places you'd play and you'd be soaking wet by the time you got off the stage. Oh, it was so hot in the summer. It was cold in the winter. It was just it was just a rotten yeah. building. But the people were right on top of you. The way it was built, the, the people were just right on top of you. It was a yeah. fantastic atmosphere. Were you living around Dallas during that, that the height of the Von Eric days when those two when those kids were just so hot that it, they were like a Willie Nelson almost out there? Yeah, I think so. Now they did they have a TV show? I mean, was were they on local TV? They were um, yeah. KTVT, I believe, Channel Eleven. It was uh, nine thirty or ten thirty on Saturday night. Yeah, Studio Wrestling, I think, is what they yeah, called yeah, it exactly. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, you know, I, I'd never been. It was probably, I can't remember if I, my dad maybe it took me as a kid one time, but, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I appreciated what those guys did and went through. And, uh, you know, to this day, I still think it's real. If you're ever in a ring with John Layfield, it was real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you ever wrestled one of the Von Eric boys, you would think it was real too. Those guys were... Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, I was telling we, we're out on the road with with a group called the Avett Brothers, and I was just telling uh, one of the guys, Scott Avett, because he's a wrestling fan. I said, "You got to see this movie Beyond the Mat." 
which is I don't know what you guys you, you, you know if it's a if it's a legitimate documentary, but it had me in tears. Just it was such a poignant. Uh, do you know this movie? Yeah, I, well, you uh, and yeah. I you texted each other uh, yeah. a couple of weeks back about it, Joe. It, it's a hard movie for me to watch. Yeah, yeah, because it shows you know some of the guys at their height and then at, at their lowest and then back up to normal, whatever. But it, 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 it it's behind the scenes, and um, you know if you ever thought it was it, it, it was fake, it ain't fake. You know there there's it, it, it's it's the real deal. There's some real shit happening there. So. Yeah, and there's a lot of similarities between music and most people that travel and tour and, and wrestling. Yeah. We were on the road 300 nights a year at, at our peak, you know, back back in the 80s and 90s. And th- you guys are the same. You guys are playing all yeah. the time on the road. Yeah, we did back then. But it was to see to see two adversaries and they're sitting at, at, at the catering, eating. It's like, wait, aren't they going to kill each other? <laughs> I, didn't, I still didn't compute, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I said, boy, they must be nice guys because they're going to just kill each other later. You know, <laughs> this is the last supper for one of them. I was down at a, at a hunt with uh, John Anderson uh, one time, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Tippin uh, down in, uh, I forget, uh, Buckmasters. I don't know if you ever went to Buckmasters. I don't know if Willie ever went down there when they had the, back in the 90s, they had the celebrity deer hunts and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wade Boggs was down there, the baseball player, and just, tortured jeff foxworthy for so long that foxworthy he was the hottest comedian in the country finally walked in and took out his wallet and put it on the bar and he goes i can't beat up anybody in here but if somebody will beat up wade boggs i'll give you whatever's in my wallet <laughs> it was great, <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> and it was part of his act from then on he goes you may be a redneck if you go to a celebrity hunt and wade boggs is your roommate but it was great we, we, they were the country singers you know it's like it's it's very much a similar brotherhood uh, as mm-hmm. what we have, you know, the the, the, yeah. travel, the tours and the, the dates and being a long way away from home and having some, a lot of crazy antics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get beat up just getting to the gig, you know? Right. Yeah. The travels are just the travel. Yeah. Your, your, your I, travel, your travel had to evolve so much too, from when you first started with Willie and the old buses to everything. And then I guess later on uh, the Lears and the golf streams, all that. Yeah. How, how did that, how did that move along? Well, we're we're back to the buses now. No planes, because you can just get on the bus and go to sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And the weather the weather doesn't affect your travel. Yeah, but the buses uh, now are a hell of a lot nicer than. Yeah, they yeah, they're not. <laughs> I had dinner with Barry uh, Weinberg last night, who was a trainer for the Yankees and the A's and uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and he was saying that when he was in the minors, they'd take a bus, they'd ride a play a game, and then ride a bus. I think it was from uh, Shreveport to El Paso. And you had time to get drunk, get sober, and get drunk again. You know, <laughs> I, I you made go. that right. I made that tour. <laughs> yeah. I made it. We used to get on a train in Shreveport and go to Dallas, change trains, and then go all the way over to uh, uh, to Wichita Falls, Texas on, on the day. Wow. And get off just in time to get your bag, go to the locker room, change into your gear, and go mm. to the ring. And, man, you are worn out SOB by the time you made that trip. <laughs> Yeah, it was. We well, probably relax when you hit the when you fall to hit the mat. You're probably so relaxed because you're exhausted. Yeah. You know, it was the same with the flight down to Johannesburg. You know, it was such yeah. a long flight. It was like 16, oh, yeah. 17 hours. You know, you'd, you'd you'd have a lot to drink. You'd pass out. You'd get hungover. You'd sober up, and you still got yeah. six hours. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, that's crazy. I guess I better start drinking again. Oh man. <laughs>
you know, we all yeah, have our uh, we all have our favorite traveling partner. Did you have a partner that you you enjoyed traveling with the most? You know, that you had a lot in common with. Um, you know, I had to get along. We we travel. It's a tight little group, and we travel all the time. So you got to get along with everybody. Right. Yeah. You exactly. know, with us. Um, now, I mean, after fifty years, I kind of try to find. Uh, well, most of them have passed on, but still, we try to find a little quiet time to get away from everybody. In fact. I got, I'm in the dressing room now and I asked the guys, I said, Hey, I need a little private time, you know, to, just to, uh, have the dressing room to myself. So everybody kind of respects that. And, uh, you know, but I mean, we're to, you know, somebody, Oh, I, we were on stage in the middle of a show and I was talking to B Spears, our bass player, B's passed on now, but I was talking to B, I was talking to him in the middle of the set. And somebody asked me from the audience, I said, Oh, we saw you and B talking. Were you discussing the song and the performance? I said, no, I leaned over <laughs> to B. I said, I leaned over to B and I said, hey, remind me, I got to rotate my tires when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like sometimes in the ring, you see two guys laying over and talk to each other. They're not to ask, what are you, what's the next movie going to do? Hey, where are we going to dinner tonight? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. What's the difference between uh, the guys? Because uh, Chris Stapleton, who I, by the way, the national anthem, just amazing that he sung. Uh, yeah. Stapleton, Vince Gill, a lot of the current guys you worked with and the legends from the 70s and 80s and even 60s with Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and those guys. Well, is there any difference between them, the generation? No, I think it's a new breed. I mean, I think uh, of the same thing. I mean, I think um, Chris is, is incredible. And, um, you know, he's honoring the people that influenced him, Willie, you know, Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, but with a younger, you know, coming from definitely a younger place and putting his own spin on it. But lyrically, you know, he's following in the same footsteps as, as Willie and, and Rodney Crowell and, uh, you know, said Christopherson, some of these great writers. So they're, they're just carrying the torch, you know, they're passing it on and putting their spin on it too. And these writers, these writers you mentioned, Chris Christopherson, of course. I mean, what a, what a, what a, what a writer he! It's it, and 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 you were back to the word intimidating. Being somewhat around Chris, who who's so intelligent and it had so much talent in that, and to come up with the lyrics that he comes up. You ever oh, sit yeah. in with him and just just kind of watch the guy work on him? And how do you do this? Yeah, I just sit there and watch. You know, it's like he's reading a novel to me or something like that lyrically. And and I did the same thing with his records. I'll listen to his records, and it's like it, it's like reading a book, yeah. really. And uh, and, and the, the, you know what's brilliant about these guys is they can write a whole book in three minutes. Yeah. You know, Roger Miller was another one that could tell a whole story. Oh yeah, you know, in a short amount of time. And um, you know, it, and it, it, it it's simple. The production was was different than it is today. You can count how many instruments are on the record. And, uh, you know, it definitely had a, a particular sound that, um, you know, that I liked, you know, and I like some of the new music too, but um, I, I really appreciate uh, these guys. And I don't know, you know, who's going to fill their, their shoes like that George Jones their song shoes. goes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who did you, have you performed with that you just look at and you think, that guy's got so much talent because there's always, you know, the, there's always in the, among the great stars, there's always somebody like Sean Michaels to us, the heartbreak kid. He just had mm -hmm. more talent than everybody else. He was our Jordan of, of the nineties, just better than everybody else. Uh, who yeah. was, who yeah. was that? Who was that guy for, for you, for you? 
Um, well, it, 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 probably Willie, you know, Willie and Chris lyrically, you know, in the, in the, in the songs they did. Um, and as far as musician wise, probably Wynton Marsalis, you know, the, the, you know, you know who played the trumpet player who yeah. plays jazz and classical, um, just his musical knowledge and, 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 and brilliance. And I like guys that, that, you know, they, they keep it simple, you know, that, that play. Oh, and Miles Davis was another one. That, that we actually, our manager, Mark Rothbaum, spent, uh, managed Miles. So we had, uh, you know, we got to spend a little time with him. But it's like seeing Brando act or Steve McQueen or right. something. You know, you've got uh, Miles and, and Winton and, um, again, Chris and Willie. Like, yeah. and later on, you know, when like the highway man, the, the, the four go guys, when, when, when you get those guys together, they're all at a group there and you're standing there. And you're playing along with them, you gotta look and say, "Wow, that's Chris Hall. That's Waylon Jennings." And, and and was Waylon really the ring general the, or the stage general that he that he was the personality that he had? I mean, he just said, looked like he was a commander up there. Yeah, but John, you know, Willie would be the Joker. He'd stir up all the <laughs> shit. And um, Johnny was, you know, all American, and Chris was, you know. Uh, the hippie the, the leftist, <laughs> yeah, the hippie, and Waylon was just trying to keep everybody together. Going, you can't say that. Don't do that. You know, he was, and I think they they got off on tangents just to see uh, Waylon squirm a little bit too. What they do? They, they pick on Waylon then, because we we pick on our guys like that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it, any yeah. stories you can tell us that uh, you don't mind sharing of, of a well, rib, well, of a joke? Yeah, we were playing. I think it, I think we had just the, the U.S. had just invaded either Iraq or gone into Kuwait. Now maybe in, gone into Iraq, and we were playing this benefit in uh, the Hamptons out outside. And uh, um, General Colin Powell was in the front row, and Chris starts talking about how we're killing all these innocent women and children oh in Iraq. <laughs> And Johnny had just finished finished playing that um, that ragged old flag, and Waylon's <laughs> eyes were so big. It's like you can't say that, don't you know? And and Chris didn't care. He was just going off, you know, talking against the war. And uh, you know, God bless uh, Colin Powell, you know, because he he was very you know regal and, and you know understood where Chris was coming from. You know, were, were you so, there when it happened? Oh yeah, I was standing right next to Chris. And it's like yeah. watching a car wreck, right? Right. Yeah, duck, duck for cover. You know, it's like don't stand too close. <laughs> and and it's like now with all the cell phones, you're you're trying to sit there and not make any type of face that's indicative of any way you're leaning. It's because you know you're yeah. gonna be in the background of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say anything right. You know, any anything you say is gonna piss somebody off. Yeah, well, and even time- Chris, even Johnny would come over and hug Chris. You know, and rub his head or something. You know, it'd be like, uh, that's Chris. You know, he goes, <laughs> I, he goes, I, I, oh, Johnny used to say, he goes, you know, um, you know, in in a country like America, you're free, you're free to uh to uh to burn the flag, and uh, I, I, you know, I'll fight for your right to burn that flag, but if you burn my flag, I'm gonna shoot you. <laughs> you know? Right. Were those guys as wild as everybody says they were? Are the rumors about them, the stories about them? Yeah, before my time, they, they about, were. There's been songs written about Willie. 
<laughs> Toby Keith wrote the one. I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I've I've seen people fall out of that bus. You know, they want to get on the bus and smoke a joint with Willie. And uh, we were in New York, and some cameraman or somebody doing an interview, and the cameraman came up and they told him beforehand, "Do not, whatever you do, smoke a joint with Willie." And the door opens, this big uh, cloud of smoke comes out, and this guy falls out of the bus into the street. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I got to I got to ask you a story since we're talking about Willie and Pot. You know, uh, uh, I mean, you know, Willie's the greatest thing that ever ever happened to Texas. I mean, there's nothing better than Willie Nelson, and 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 that, that he he makes Texas. But were were you ever on any of those trips where a highway patrolman in Texas, that one guy that busted Willie in Texas for Pot? Was you on the yeah? Bus the, the, no, um, what was that that guy's mind anyway? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah it, so that, it doesn't. You know, I got friends that are cops, and it doesn't yeah, take well, great police work to bust Willie Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he ain't got but, more uh, pot in his beard than I've smoked in my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think w when they came on, it was a border check, and they came on the bus looking for whomever, and and when they opened up the bus, they could smell it, and it was <laughs> Willie gone to sleep, and it was laying out, so it was kind of hard to uh, to not do anything, but. Well, he did. He was driving back from a poker game in, in Waco, I think, back to Austin. And he was high. So he pulled over on the side of the road to sleep and um, left a joint in the uh, in the ashtray. And I think when a sheriff or somebody drove by, then it was a new guy on the squad, drove by to ch check out the car. It was a Mercedes on the side of the road. He saw the, the, the roach in the, you know, in the uh, ashtray. And he woke him up and he busted Willie. But the sheriff of the county drove Willie home, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, which, which was a two, three hour drive. Yeah. It's like when they always ask the similarly rhetorical question, are you really going to treat them different? Yes. Yes, you are. Yeah. Yes, you are. That's <laughs> Willie Nelson. You're going to treat him I mean, different. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not selling drugs, you know, oh, just good Lord, the, no. his, he's his own personal stash, you know? So, yeah, but it was a new, this guy that did bust him was new to the area and probably thought, oh, great, I got the big fish. You know, right. I got Willie. And it's like, we could bust Willie any day. Why are you messing with that? That's right. And he goes, he goes to being the biggest hill in the damn country when he busts Willie. Yeah. <laughs> the other guys yeah. going, we work not to bust Willie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Said, oh, Willie, don't do that. You know, put that away. Yeah. <laughs> they, the cops walk by him like this. You know, we don't want to see. Yeah. Mick, as you're rolling along here, I, I don't, and I probably have this wrong here, but I, I don't know if it was your first album, but uh, 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 Shotgun Willie is one of my all-time favorite uh, Willie Nelson albums. The way those, the, the music just drains along. And my greatest song is, uh, is Red-Headed Stranger from Blue Rock, Montana, rolled into town one day. And he, he, uh, uh, a prostitute shoots, uh, shoots the bay, shoots Willie's uh, wife, forcing it. The ending line is, you can't hang a man for killing a woman who's trying to steal his horse. Was you involved <laughs> yeah. in that album there? That's, for me, that's the greatest album Yeah, ever. that was the first album I played on, uh, wow. Redheaded Stranger. Red so that was Stranger. the first. And Willie just shows up in the studio. He says, I got an idea for a song, I mean, for a record. So uh, we booked a studio in Dallas. And he had all these notes on napkins and just torn wow. up pieces of paper. And he's sitting there and we're, he's playing us the songs. We're hearing them for the first time, but they're recording. So that recording is so sparse 
because we didn't know the songs and we're just kind of playing along with them or not, you know, so that that's, you know, it's just the band was sitting up in a semicircle in the studio with the tape machine roll. And it wasn't a full band either, was it? It was just you and a couple other guys? No, it it was a full band, but there weren't that many of us there. Uh It was piano, you know, Bobby on piano, his sister, uh, Paul on drums, B on guitar. I mean, B on the bass, uh, Jody Payne on guitar, and then Willie and me. So it was just you know the touring band. Wow, just, wow. That, that 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 album was meant to be like a like a concept album, right? Like a what would be an operatic album or something. Yeah, like yeah. It was called a he called it a concept album. We didn't know what a concept album was. <laughs> yeah, hell no. Because, I tell uh, yeah, all all the you know it tells a story and all the songs tie together. So yeah. you know, and the record company wasn't happy with it. They said, well, this is a good demo but you know can make a real record and willie's deal at the time was they had to take what he recorded whatever he turned in was the creative record. creative control as we call it in wrestling business. right yeah <laughs> yeah take it or leave it you know yeah exactly yeah. so so forgive my ignorance but I, I can barely play a jukebox but i love what comes out of it uh the writing of a song uh, when when really writes a song or it's his song or it's christopherson's song or it's your song or, or whatever it is so they don't write all the parts. They'll write the the lyrics. They'll write just the, the lyric and the and, and maybe the music. And so we go. I mean, you know, just have a melody, you know, on the guitar. So we go in as the band and we write our own parts. Unless wow. sometimes there'll be a rec- a producer in there that's kind of like a uh, that'll guide you if they have an idea or a concept what they want the song to sound like. Or Willie does. Willie may, may say, "Well, I want you know, let Mickey play the so- the first solo and then." The piano takes the second solo, so that's the only reason that that's the only thing they'll get into uh, musically. But whatever the notes I play are mine to come up with. And when you're sitting in with a band and you don't really know the song, you're just playing along. You don't have a sheet of music in front of you. You're just playing along, filling in. Is that how in the studio you'd have a sheet of music in front of you? But I, I like to listen to it and get it in my mind and and know you know, to just be able to figure out, I mean, you had the music in front of you because so, you have to do it right the first time, basically. Right. Um, but, and, and, you know, usually my be- for best performance are my first couple of performances. You can't, you play it too much, too many times and you lose the feel. But uh, the, the, the music is just kind of a roadmap for me. Uh, specific notes aren't written out unless the the writer or the 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 act has a particular melody he wants you to follow. They'll tell you what to play. But a lot of times they just hire the musicians they trust, and the musicians come up with the parts. Do you have a favorite record? Yeah, all the stuff you've done, favorite album, favorite song that you've done, favorite something that that you're that you really enjoyed that you're part with. Man, I hit that out of the park. Um. Yeah. You know, I like uh, I like this last record, Energy Follows Thought. And I didn't play a lot on it, or what I played is very subtle, but I think it, it it's very it, it it fits the song, and it's really some some beautiful stuff. Oh, also the 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 Sinatra records, the the two records we did, that's life, um, and I forget the other one, the, the the interpretation of the Sinatra songs. There's a beautiful song called "In the Wee Small Hours" that Sinatra sang, and then Willie covered it. And there's a really pretty uh, harmonica solo on there. That's one of my favorites that I've done. That's pretty uh, cool to be on a Willie cover album for Sinatra. Well, you know, we played with we played Sinatra's last gig. Really? Uh, Where was yeah. it at? In Palm Springs. It was a, a fundraiser, hundred thousand a table, 
and uh, uh, so we played five songs, and Frank played five songs, and it was of the last, you know, his band was going, you know, you know, one down, four to go, because it was the end of the the career with with uh, Frank. He was retiring after that. Wow! But that was that was pretty amazing to be able sitting on the side of the stage and see him play. Remember what year it was? No, no, I don't. Constantly. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mind. It was the '80s, I think. 80, um, I'm just thinking, a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's a lot of money today. But that's, yeah, it was all, Yeah, but it was like 30. Joe Pesci at the first table. That's the face star. I remember? Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was all these big movie stars, and you know, I mean, if you had ten people at a table, that's ten thousand a, a person, you know. But it was, it went to a, a, a really. I don't remember what the uh, uh, charity was, but it was something I think that. Uh, uh, Sinatra's wife was involved in. Yeah, and, and it was a small, you know, it was in a country club, so it was a small, you know, they might have had ten tables. I mean, maybe they raised a couple of million dollars or something, but it was. So uh, you've been to very uh, intimate. So you've been to Piggly Wiggly with the Beatle and played Sinatra's last concert. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's that's and a we'll, life well done. You forget yeah. all the million things you've done, and it, it is a million. I I looked at the your list on uh, the internet, which has to be right because it's on the internet. Uh, but it's, yeah, that's right, but it's right, just amazing. Right. But the Piggly Wiggly Beetle and the Sinatra that you you won, you've won in life. Well, one more that, that we did was uh, Willie and I played a uh, 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 Ray Charles's funeral. Oh, with man. with with okay, the open casket. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the open casket. Really? Um, yeah. And in the front row was uh, Little Richard, Stevie Wonder, and I'm thinking, oh, I'll never say this again, but. I was glad that Stevie Wonder couldn't see because I could never play in front of him if he was looking at me, you know, <laughs> but uh, probably even more invasive is him listening to you. So Stevie was one of one. It was Stevie was one of your idols then, huh? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that was, that was pretty amazing in this little yeah. church in LA. Yeah. yeah I, I recently listened to a, a, a interview you did with Nora Jones, who I absolutely love. I mean, if I was oh, yeah. married, I'd fall in love. I'd be a stalker for Nora Jones. She is yeah, such, me such too. a beautiful lady. But you guys, that was a great interview. And you guys were talking, you know, I've often wondered, you know, how you guys just pick up perfect. She said, all I was doing was watching Willie's eyes. And he would look at me and I knew to come on. Is that kind of mm -hmm. how, how it goes when, when, when you jump in on a tone? Yeah, it still is. I mean, well, you always keep an eye on, especially if you haven't played it before. But even to this day, uh, when I'm on stage, I keep one eye on Willie. Yeah. You know, just watch him because he might change something. He might, uh, maybe he took a solo uh, the night before. And if he just kind of, you know, his head tilts my way, that means it's uh, that he wants me to take the solo, you know, because nothing will repeat. Exactly. There's no guarantee that each night's going to be the same. So it always keeps you on your toes. How long is Willie going to still tour? Is, is he still <laughs> tour? I mean, this is just amazing to me. He's just, the guy's, the guy's actually immortal. I think, I think Willie. Yeah. Is yeah. Our, our tour managers just turned 40 and I said, John, what are you going to do when Willie retires? And then I thought, Nah, you'll be dead by the time Willie retires. <laughs> How long are you? Yeah, you know, I'm doing as long as I can, as long as I'm fit. You know, I mean, this is not really, it's not work. You know, traveling <laughs> is work. Traveling you know, is work. It, it, it's still fun. You know, it, it's, uh, and, and Willie will keep going until they throw dirt on him, you know. Yeah, I've always thought that the travel's the what sucks. You know, the, the, yeah. the when you get there and you get to perform in front of a crowd and all this, that's that's what's fun. It's, yeah, that's that brings you back. Wrong. But we'll be done. We finish in no, first of November, 
and we're done for three months. So, you remember what your longest tour was? I I think back in the day we were doing maybe ten weeks without stopping, without going home. Wow. Now it might be two weeks at the most, but there's a lot of days off. Like we're working three days in a row with two days off, and then one day a day off, and then a couple of days in the row. You know, so it it can we give a lot Willie a lot of time off right now. Yeah. I, I'm so sure you get the same thing when people see you. They say, oh, "Remember that time in Detroit?" That you go, "No, I no, I don't, I don't." You know, and it's not that you know, it's it's not drugs, it's not concussions, it's it's just you're performing every single night in a different city, and it's not that big a deal right. what city you're in, really. It's not whether it's Detroit, Cleveland. You, all you want to do is perform in front of people. You know, the yeah. city it's kind of irrelevant. So you don't really keep up with the cities, but you got to have the same thing when people see you go, Oh, I remember when you, when you, when you were in uh, Chicago and you're like, yeah. Cause I don't, and I don't get to see the, the town so much. Right, I mean, the yeah. big cities I know we're in West Palm beach right now. You know, I saw the hotel, I saw the airport, I saw the venue. I didn't see town. So I really don't know what it looks like, but when I got to the venue, I didn't recognize it till I went to catering. And I thought, <laughs> Oh, I remember this place now. And then, you know, that's just like us. We don't remember the town, but we remember where catering is in the building. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can ask me or John right now, where's the catering in and 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 uh and and uh, 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 Saginaw, Michigan. We can tell you exactly where catering building is. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I didn't even know the I said I was asking the guys when we rolled in, I said, Have we played this venue before? And nobody <laughs> could remember it. Again, until we got to the to catering, yeah. and then we said, "Yep, we remember yeah. this place." Yeah. <laughs> so, how, true. You, how do you know the Nasty Boys? Because the Jerry Jerry told me you know the Nasty Boys, and uh, so and at first, if, if anything is wrong, I apologize for the Nasty. Boys. <laughs> yeah. I love I love them, but I can understand that I might need an apology. The, the, it's going to take more than you to keep those apologies up. It's a <laughs> You know, they would come around when we play in Florida. In fact, I wonder if they know we're here now. Yeah. Um, uh, lock the door. Lock the um, door for sure. Yeah, we would play and they'd come around and, and, and again, work the parking lot. And uh, they were so much fun. And, and just so, uh, Knobs was so funny. Um, and they were always welcome. I guess they were friends with Pootie Lock. Our, uh, yeah, yeah. Pootie was friends of all of us. I mean, Dust, yeah. Dusty, Dusty and Pootie became really tight friends for a long time. And that's how that's how my friendship kind of grew with Pootie also, and also my brothers there. And everywhere you guys were, we'd be backstage somewhere looking around, you know. And I, I want to get to like one story, one of my favorite fellow Oki, Leon Russell. I just read that the, the book of Master of Space and Time. I don't know if you've seen that book yet. Yeah, no, I'm reading it now. Oh, it's, it's a marvelous yeah. book. You're you're in the you're in the back of when he gets to the to that part of his career where you come in. That had to be a thrill too. I mean, what a genius he was, also, right? Yeah, and the biggest rock star in the world when I first met him, you know. And he was, uh, in fact, he took me to meet Ringo. He, I lived in L.A. and he was out there, and he called me up and said, "I want you. I want to. You want to go hear some music tonight?" And he took me to meet. Uh, we he drove all the way out to the Palisades, which was an hour from where he lived, in his pickup truck, his uh, Chevy uh, Silverado. And uh, we drove back to the Roxy and Paul Butterfield was playing with Gary Busey and Ringo was with that, or it wasn't playing, but Ringo was there. So that's how I met Ringo and met Paul Butterfield, who was my harmonica mentor. Um, and it was just, you know, he was an Okie. I mean, yeah. he was just a good old country boy. 
where previously I thought that this guy was the biggest rock star on the planet. <laughs> and then I got to see, you know, the fact that he drove all the way out to pick me up, you know, <laughs> just how, what a normal guy, you know, he was. And what I thought he'd be driving a Rolls Royce, you know, he's in this uh, pickup <laughs> truck. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever play in the church out in Tulsa? I did. Yeah. Not with him. It was after he wasn't there and somebody else was right. you know, was putting it together for him. So I recorded some in the church and then in his house too, which he had a, a studio in the uh, basement. Yeah, like Grand out there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was always yeah. a hero of mine, like I said, growing up on Oki there. I, I saw, first saw him one of the very first time I saw him over in, in uh, I think it was St. Peter, somewhere like that. He was touring with you guys at that, that time there. And unfortunately, yeah. he was in a, in a condition where, you know, he wasn't, wasn't real uh, – <laughs> Cognizant of what was going on around. Yeah, him. well, he, he, I think he was going through a pretty bad uh, uh, divorce, uh, breakup, or divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he came out on the road with us for a year, just played piano. Uh, and Willie would introduce him just as, you know, and on piano, Leon. Yeah, you know, that's, how was, that's how it was that night. Yeah. <laughs> so he was just part of the band for a whole year, which was pretty amazing. Because I would ride on his bus sometimes and he would just yeah. tell me stories. And, you know, I mean, he was part of the wrecking crew, you know, the, the, the studio gang in right, uh, yeah. LA that played on all those great. Have records. you have you seen that documentary? Yeah, Records? yeah, I, I, I watched. I it just too. saw it again. I watched it last week. They just, uh, it, it's yeah. cool. I've never seen that that movie. What was it, about the the body and the fate, or about about the poem, the life of the poem, or something like that. That, that they. Oh yeah, the, the documentary that's just about him. Yeah, yeah, right, the, yeah. that. Um, yeah, because I think uh, Will, Willie's on there too. I think. Yeah, yeah, I get them kind of confused, but that, yeah, that's pretty interesting uh, uh, movie too. But he's just, I just love his music, and he yeah, just, I and I went back and listened to all the, some of the records he played on, you know, um, uh, Gary and the Playboys, uh, and uh, you know, I guess some of the Sonny and Cher stuff. Um, that's what's that's amazing. You go back. I mean, he played with everybody. I mean, everybody wanted yeah. to play with Leon during that time. You know, Beach Boys. I mean, it, Brian Wilson yeah. and him. I guess Brian. Got a lot of his 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 talent from from uh, Leon. Yeah, it was amazing. amazing. I would, yeah, I wish I'd if I'd have been a little younger, I might have been involved with them musically, but maybe not. I mean, I can't. My my, my time, I, I came at the right time for me anyway. So. <laughs> what have you seen in the progression of music? I mean, what is the change from say the the great iconic guys of the when you started uh, in the seventies and eighties and and the guys now across all genres uh, that, 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 that there is. Well, it's, it was a little, a little more organic, you know, previous to, to when I came around, you know, that there would, um, I, I think just with the progression of musical instruments too, and uh, you know, what computers can do and um, you, you know, really just opened up a lot in music and what mu musicians can do on a keyboard, scoring a whole orchestra you know, just uh, really made musicians, uh, uh, their talent limitless if you had, you know, so a, good, a good theory background and a good composing background. So I, th I think technology is, is really, you know, uh, expanded, you know, people's musical horizons. I still appreciate, you know, a four-piece band or something like that. And I hear the other parts that may not be present. But now with computers or with, you know, somebody that can score a whole, whole orchestra, you, you know, you can actually hear these, uh, these are, what's it? A dog? Oh, no, no, you can bring a dog in. 
We got a. <laughs> well, I got two of them right over the couch. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Hi. He's working, right? Can't be petted. Okay. They're looking for bombs. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Bob, yeah. Willie Nelson concert. They're looking for bombs. That's what we used to tell her. Don't worry that uh -huh. I'm looking for it. John, John's yeah. got a funny story about. Dogs and, and oh my and, goodness, uh, you, I think you'll love this. We were in Vegas one time, coming out of that big escalator, and this guy walks by, and the police officer has a dog there, and he says, uh, uh, "Bradshaw." He goes, "Can I get a picture?" And I said, yeah, "Of course you can." And he had a dog with him, and I said, "Is that a, a a bomb dog or a drug dog?" And he said, "Oh, it's a bomb dog." I said, "Well, can bomb dogs smell drugs?" He goes, "No, it's one or the other." I said, "Would you like to come meet the guys?" So <laughs> I come down the elevator. <laughs> with his cop and a dog and they know that I've been drinking. So all the guys, guys are leaving their bags at baggage claims. Guys are running across baggage claim. Godfather <laughs> looks at me and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm yeah, sorry. I'm nervous for some reason. Uh, they spent the next three months making my life a living hell for that, but it was oh, worth, it. It, was worth <laughs> it was worth every bit of it. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, right. Mickey, we really appreciate your time. We know you. We know you got a got a concert coming up. Where where, where are you guys at? What what are you doing? And and, and where where are you going? I know you're with, with a couple other guys besides Willie. You're 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 around. Yeah, we're with uh, Government Mule and uh, the Avid Brothers tonight in West Palm Beach, and then tomorrow we're in Tampa. You're not in. You're not gonna be there no, tomorrow. No, are you? well, unfortunately, no. But I understand yeah. you're coming back with Chris. I'd like to maybe. Yeah, the eleventh. Yeah, uh, November eleventh. So we'll hook up for that. Um, yeah, because he doesn't have a baseball game to watch. Yeah. Because <laughs> Texas hey, beat him. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, Tampa, I'm a Tampa Bay Rage fan. Of course, John's one of those Texas Ranger fans. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we had 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 a had a playoff victory in our pocket, but we didn't. And they swept us. So <laughs> I'm at home alone. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, go ahead it's, and tell it's, us. It's lonely out there. Yeah, then we're in Orange Beach this week. And uh, um, Brandon, Mississippi, which I think is outside of Jackson, and uh, and then um, Asheville, North Carolina. Then we end in uh, with George Strait in uh, Atlanta awesome. on the twenty first, and, and that's the end of the tour for the year for Willie. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. The, the, oh, except the, he's the getting in, he's getting inducted into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow, November second. So that'll be fun. So he'll do that with uh, Chris Stapleton and Dave Matthews and Brandy Carlisle. Right. Yeah. When I mentioned uh, Nolan Earl and Willie, I, I should have thrown in George Strait. That's the that's the the fourth yeah. the fourth uh, on the the Mount Rushmore. The fourth the fourth horseman. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. The fourth horseman. Well, Maggie. Hey, Maggie. Thanks so much. I, I appreciate you taking the time. It's really been an honor to hear your story. What what an incredible legendary career you've had. It's just what it's amazing. Oh, well, thank and, you. Thank you just for taking time out to visit with us. No, it's a privilege to talk to you guys. And if we ever come to Tyler or anywhere, you know, let me know if we're in your neck of the woods, too. Well, I got to tell you, he don't live in Tyler. I mean, Bob lived there. He got out of Texas as soon as uh, he could and went to Baltimore, Maryland, but there's the Maryland. You know, where all the, all <laughs> I'm going to move back. where you are now. So I'm in, in I'm in right by Tyler right now in Athens, but I did move to Bethesda, Maryland, which I'm hoping uh, now to come back to the great state. So it's well, we play up there too. I mean, we play well, we play in Baltimore. We were just with Chris in Baltimore not long ago. Oh, I'd love to come, I'd love to come out for that. That'd yeah, be a yeah. lot of fun. Great, great. Awesome. Well, thank okay, you so guys, much. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much.